Hey, what's up? This is your girl, Taylor Wilde. Welcome back to Wild On, season two. The podcast where you get the insider's view of the weird, wonderful, wild world of wrestling. On Wednesdays. Let's get Today's guest is a fellow misfit, but not for the reasons you think. He is a musician, singer, songwriter, producer, and most famously known for being the guitarist and vocalist for Rancid. He is seriously one of the biggest wrestling fans I have ever met who is equal parts rad. His love for wrestling comes from a very sweet and organic place. Ladies and gentlemen, my man, Lars Fredrickson. Taking the time out to do my podcast. Well, thank you for having me, and it's uh, it's cool to meet you. Fine. Yeah, you as well. I hope we can do this uh, on your side of the podcast. I've I've been listening to the show. You were one of the ones, like I said, I was like, "What's up with her?" <laughs> and so now we can. It's going to all work out just fine. But it was funny because it's like it was like literally three days before you hit me up. Oh, weird. Yeah, so it was. It's out there. Perfect synchronicity. Yes, Petey says you're a firefighter. I am. Yeah. No way. How long have you been doing that? Six years now. Oh wow. Yeah. So I started wrestling when I was. I just turned eighteen, and I kind of promised myself, you know, I'll work real hard. I'll grind it out. If I can get signed by a major company, then I'll continue until I'm twenty-five, and then I'll reevaluate my life. Uh, 25 came and I had a good run and I was burnt out being on the road full time and I kind of did all I could do at that point like it was the divas era was over but the new influx of the models had come in like the Bellas and and I was just like nah (laughs) one of my best friends is a is a is a captain here oh okay so I spent a lot of time at the house so it's like being at a, a station is a lot like being in a backstage yes. at a show. Like I've always worked in fields where I'm kind of 20 to 1 to the guys. And when I put professional wrestling as my career when I was uh, applying to be a firefighter, when you're a male, it's fine. It's kind of like cool and bro-y and a lot of people are wrestling fans. But when you're a female, people think breast implants, 90s porn star. And it's the truth. And you know, I very well may have looked that way, looked that way, not when I go to work, but I wasn't there to defend the person that I am. And a lot of being a professional wrestler and being on the road and being able to kind of like, you know, be with dudes backstage 24 seven and it being completely platonic and being professional was very applicable to firefighting. Absolutely, um, yeah. And it's helped me a lot because in Toronto, we have about 200 female firefighters to the 2800 men but it was a good icebreaker you know for a first three years i think they just referred to me as the wrestler so it, it helped in that aspect but so where do you live i live in san francisco you live in san francisco okay do the guys work 24-hour shifts there yeah so but they don't work that long they have i think it's only 10 or it's i think maybe two weeks out of the month okay so because i was gonna actually do the training oh but the pandemic hit because he's like, just dude, because my it's my buddy Dustin. He's like, just just come and just do this with me. And so like that, the uh, the lieutenant of San Francisco called me up and said, hey, I heard you're interested in it. I was like, yeah. Wow. Like, okay, we'll set it up for you and all that stuff. 
it didn't help that I, you know, play in a band that a lot of people knew about. So it, it helped. It totally helped. So, and I was going to go do it. And then the pandemic hit. Oh, wow. So is that something you're going to consider moving forward? Now that I'm uh, pushing 50 and yeah. I'm kind of like, well, I'll be 50 this year. It's something I kind of want to challenge myself to do. For sure. But as I'm sure you probably know, the older you get, the injuries that you've collected along the way. Because I had back surgery when I was 29. Oh, Jesus. And I, they had to take out two discs had ruptured. And so they had to basically take them out. So I lost basically like an inch off my height. Oh, wow. That sucks. And then now like where I'm at, I've got four bulging in the lower, four bulging in the neck. I got two places where there's no discs Yeah. and they're just hitting and it's bruising. So there's a lot of pain and stuff. What led up to the rupturing of discs? I think just being an asshole. Yep. I got that one. <laughs> you know, jumping around on stage with a 50 pound guitar for an hour and a half. Yeah. in bad shoes yeah you know and plus I, I lived pretty hard okay sort of till I was about 21 just when oh. I kind of smartened up okay so I kind of kind of went went for it yep so I wasn't really taking care of myself yeah you know jumping off of buildings and just doing stupid stuff yeah. running away from cops just doing things that like I'm glad my kids don't do <laughs> do you have good kids are they well behaved yeah, they're good. They're genuinely pretty good kids. My oldest is, his name's Wolfgang. He's 13. He's, he's, he's super smart. He can figure things out. Okay. Like puzzles. He's just very, he, like hyper intelligent. Right. And he's kind of the quiet guy that kind of sits back and observes. Whether as my, my youngest, he plays drums. So he's got that mentality. Right. He just, you know, wants to whip out his wiener and... <laughs> And go crazy, you know what I mean? So, and he's he's a lot like me. I was gonna say so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> except for I play guitar, but <laughs> and he's very talented as far as like with rhythms and things, and uh, super smart as well. So both, I'm I'm happy to. Have, and I know they're my kids, so it's kind of yeah. like, well, they're both super smart. I mean, that's what every parent says. Yeah, but they're actually legit super smart kids. They figure they're they're very wise, you know. So okay. they very they can figure things out. Soren, I think, would be more of like me where we're very emotional. Ah, oh, interesting. If we get hot, we get hot. Right. And if we love you, we fucking love you. <laughs> we want to snuggle. <laughs> I'm a lot like that, to be honest, because I'm like pretty severely introverted. Like I'm I'm a fake extrovert. Like I can play the game, but really I I just I have a few people in my life. And if you're in my life and in my inner circle, you're everything to me. And as a general rule, I don't like people. So well, well yeah. What <laughs> sign are you? Are you a Scorpio by chance? I, I'm an Aquarius. Aquarius. Yes. January baby. Yeah. What about you? I'm Virgo. Ah, okay. So I'm a lover. <laughs> I'm very organized, but I got piles all over the house. Okay, organized mess. <laughs> yes. So. So how many wives are you on then? Uh, I'm I'm over two. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> me too. Me too. With with husbands, but no wives. <laughs> <laughs> That's always been a challenging part for me. Yeah. You know? Me too. I think I've always done very well in my professional life, and I have a beautiful, healthy, intelligent, psychotic son but i think i fall in love fast and furiously and i i don't look at the bigger picture so here i am yeah i mean but i i feel like every one of those situations because one was only a couple years mm -hmm. was when i was in my 20s 
Mm. The second one lasted about 14. Oh, okay. And then where the two children came from. Ah. I'm, I'm fortunate and grateful to have gone through those experiences because all the things that I needed to look at about myself, mm-hmm. obviously, there was like herpes. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's like a, you had a flare up. I mean, it's, you're going to have it forever. You're just having a flare up right now. But I was able to kind of like, not that I have herpes, but. <laughs> no judgment. No, 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 but I don't. <laughs> not breaking news here. But um, for a lot of those character defects and a lot of these things to co- have come up for me and then yeah. actually finally go, okay, I'm going to learn from this one. Yeah. And then to apply it into my other relationships. And I'm like, oh, okay. So the things that I used to trip on, I don't really trip on so much. So, you know, I I feel like it's a learning experience. I'm grateful that I was able to, you know, have those experiences, but at the same time, super duper glad to be out of them. Yeah. I like my whole life changed, my whole world opened, you know, I didn't really realize how much of a linear world I was living in. Oh, interesting. I got out of it. Uh Yeah, because... I'm loyal to a fault, right? So loyalty to me is something that's, it's not like a tattoo. It's not something that like, you know, you put on a Mm t-shirt. To me, it's like my moral compass is my moral compass. And, but I also, it's, 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 it's a detriment. It has been a detriment, my loyalty, because I've, I've stayed in situations far longer than I should have. And I can't say wasted time, but almost like forgot a lot of who I was Mm -hmm. as a result Mm -hmm. and would just stuff it down, stuff it down. And then what would end up happening is I would just end up blowing up, blowing up, which is no good for anybody. Cause like I said, I'm, I'm kind of a, I can be a hothead if I'm not taking care of myself. Well, that's the, the burying and not dealing with shit. If you're a busy person, like you've been in a band, well, multiple bands and you have your podcast and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you don't always have time to look after yourself and do the inner work. It's just much easier to push it down and move forward. I'm really guilty. Yeah. I mean, I realized though, joining 500 bands was also (laughs) a, a, a sign of like, oh, I'm not that happy. Yeah. So, but I didn't know it. Yeah. Like I said, oh, I can sprint. I'm going to go join a band that's in England. I'm going to go join a band that's in Germany and then in Phoenix. And then I'm going to have two here. And Did you grow up in a household with parents that were, oh, I don't want to say, did you grow up in a traumatizing, like from my experiences, I always find I pick these relationships because of my upbringing. I have had a lot of like alcoholism and depression and my family and so I think my tolerance for bullshit is a lot higher than the average person (laughs) and what I will normalize is not necessarily normal and once you get out of it you're that's you know where that inner work comes in and you're like well sure the person had a problem but at the same time I could have not stayed yes well my upbringing I can't really say was different from a lot of people. I was a single mom. Mm-hmm. My dad was kind of out of the picture by the time I was three. Oh, wow. And I was, uh, I was an unwanted child from my father. And he, mm. and he told me a few times. You know, That's horrible. That's fucking horrible. Yeah, it is what it is. Okay. Don't blame him. I don't, it's, it's like whatevs. Okay. So my mom was a Danish immigrant. 
-hmm. She just passed in 2020 in October of cancer, but she, she, she battled it three times, third time she lost. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. So my mom grew up in Nazi occupied Denmark in World War II. So she was like four when it was really going off. And so her brothers fought in the resistance and the Germans came and took their house and the whole fucking thing. So she saw, and she saw stuff that I don't really want to get into. Mm -hmm. So when I hear people talk about their fucking trauma, yeah, go fuck yourself. And I'm not trying to downplay anybody else's experience, but when you're four years old and you're seeing somebody get their head blown off, mm -hmm. you know, that can probably will shape you. 100%. You, well, you're completely desensitized to, well, it's not normal to see that. That's, that's the bottom line. And that's kind of where my, my family's, uh, my dad's side, they're Polish. So my grandparents were in Nazi Poland. My grandma was sent to uh, South Africa when she was 14 with her twin sister. And, you know, she never told us anything. But as a woman myself, knowing, you know, being in military being in you know war-torn country there was probably a lot of things that happened to the women in that time <laughs> that a blind eye was turned to so you know yeah um, i mean i think that's only just now kind of starting to change oh truly myself being a female firefighter you know it's 2021 i work for the third biggest department in north america and I've had to fight fucking tooth and nail for my place in the department. Like I've got a really good crew, but there's things that are not just, that are not balanced for women. There's a lot of old guys on the job that are soon to retire and they still see it as a job that is not, it's not a place for women. And it's yeah. only because of mentality. Like I had to write all the same aptitude tests. I did all the same physical tests. There's no test for women and test for men. I did the same interviews and they still choose the top 50 candidates and you only become a gender once you have your interview, which is the very last step. So it always baffles me when they take that kind of like, oh, they're just trying to hire visible minorities and um, hire a demographic that reflects that of the city. Well, that's not fucking true because I did all the same tests all the white right. males did and right. I'm here. But when I was pregnant, there was no handbook for pregnant female firefighters. So they, <laughs> that was a real treat. Yeah, yeah, um, I bet. So I helped the women on the union develop that book at the time because we have modified duties. But when you're dude that's twisted his ankle or torn his shoulder your modified duties are are different than what a female firefighter who's pregnant can do like they want you to go sit in the chief's car going to a fire that's all well and good but you're still sitting in the hot zone where there's like smoke and you know you're exposed to toxins so it's really hard to be pregnant and be like I would like to fulfill jobs I don't want to just sit on my ass and eat donuts but I can't be at the fire so yeah 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 it was very relaxing. Well, you know, <laughs> well, here's the, here's the plain truth. Like, and this is what I always, when it uh, always with the gender thing and it, it doesn't, I don't really swim in any of that, but you guys make life, you win. So that's kind of where I'm at. It's kind of like, I can't do that. You can. I like you. That's just plain and simple. That, you know what? Right there, mic drop. But that's just common fucking sense. Not everybody has common sense. It's so funny because when I was a kid, I didn't want to be labeled. I right. didn't want to have this. I didn't want to have that. And everybody's screaming about, you know, identify me as I want to be identified. And mm -hmm. 
that's all well and good, but that's not, I don't know. I just feel like I'm a fucking human being. And so are you. And so is that, that, that person. And it doesn't. So to me, like the color and all that stuff and creed and who, which God you play, yeah. pray to, or who you want to fuck or whatever. I don't care. It's none of my business. It doesn't really matter. I don't, I don't think that's what makes, makes you are who you are. I agree. You know, and I think that when my mom and being raised by her and, and, you know, Denmark's very liberal. Yeah. And she always taught us to kind of judge people on their merit, you know, and where we lived was very multicultural. There was blacks, there was Mexicans, there was Vietnamese, there was us. I mean, we were the only one of the only white families because we were as low income housing. Okay. So there was the Baileys and they were Irish, Irish Catholics. So there was like 40 of them because they breed like rabbits. <laughs> and no birth control. <laughs> they don't believe in it. Sin. You know, the thing for me was it was I kind of feel like even though we were all poor it was a level playing field you know I didn't until I got out of it I didn't really kind of look back and go fuck that was fun. yeah you know it just was my existence but when I think about it those experiences shaped obviously how I think how I act in the world but the challenging part becoming like a father now is like reminding myself that my kids experience is not going to be anywhere near my experience right like my youngest is 13 and when I was 11 I went to juvenile hall for the first time wow so he hasn't done that yet so I already win you get what I'm saying <laughs> yeah I get you <laughs> he's just playing video games and hanging out with his homies that's cool and he you know plays guitar and you know does his thing and that's totally fine you know, because as a parent, and as I'm sure you could relate, you want your children to do way better than you. That's all you want. And, ha and have a better life. Yeah. And then they live in a nice house and, and, you know, in a good city and go to a nice school. Mm -hmm. And that was as a result of years and years and years and years of touring. But, you know, not that I did do it alone. Yeah. Obviously, their mother works and has a job and provides for them as well. But they're not going to have my experience. No one gave me a a book and said, well, this is how you do it. Now, nobody gives anybody a book, right? Mm -hmm. So you kind of just fly by the seat of your pants a lot of the times. To get them to brush their teeth is a fucking chore. <laughs> it's an argument. It's like, it's like fucking, what are you, a lawyer now? You said they're smart. Yeah, but I'm the fucking judge. Yeah, I'm, I got the final ruling. You know, my word, word is law. It's not fun unless they test you, though. My three-year-old is straight into the wise. It's like, I don't know. He woke up about two months ago and anything I say, why? But why, mommy? Why? <laughs> why? And I love him, but he is my karma. He never shuts yeah. the fuck up. He never stops talking. He's up at 7.30 in the morning and he is still talking when it's bedtime at 7.30 at night. I can hear him in his room like, and I'm just like, I don't know if you felt this way, but I truly understood my parents a lot better when I became a parent. I called my mom a few times <laughs> and just said, you were right. I'm so sorry. I fucking broke that lamp that I blamed on the cat. <laughs> but you know, the, the good thing is, is that I didn't really have much of a childhood. So mm. having these guys has really kind of made me relive it. That's cool. I feel that way too. You know, like taking them to go see pro wrestling friends. Yeah. You know? Like that wasn't, a, you know, always an opportunity for me. Right. So I have, would have to go make my own way to get to see shows, music shows, 
you know, any kind of entertainment that was always on me. Like nobody like grabbed my hand and said, come on, let's go. Mm -hmm. A few people did from time to time, but nobody was into pro wrestling like I was. Nobody was really into music like I was. Like my brother and a few of his older friends. So here I was like this 11 year old, 11 year old kid hanging out with kids four, five, six years older than me who are obviously doing things that five or six years older than me would do. Right. Careful what I say because I got big ears over here. Yeah. That was kind of the pathway for me to kind of start experimenting with those types of things. Right. And with that for me, like came a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. So a lot of mountains to climb. And it became a uh, situation for me where it's like, that's all I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And then kind of got an opportunity to, to not do that. So I decided to go that route. And then I, when I started really doing the band thing, it's funny because all of that energy that was going into, you know, mind altering was going now going into this. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, was music your savior then? Uh, you know, as cliche as it fucking is, it's like, it's yes, for sure. I remember one time, it's so funny, and I always think about that question because there's a soccer player by the name of Peter Crouch. Oh, I know him. Big gangly dude. Yep. Yeah. And I was watching an interview with him one time because he's not he's not like the best looking guy, right? Uh, no. And the guy <laughs> says to him, it, uh, Peter, if you weren't a professional footballer, what would you be? And he just looked at the guy and he goes, a virgin. <laughs> and I just thought that was the most amazing answer in the world because <laughs> of how self-conscious, you know, I mean, and self-deprecating it too, but just that he knows I'm this gangly seven foot eight weird guy with buck teeth and, you know, the whole thing. But I, you know what? I'm a fucking professional footballer. And, but so I always think about that question, but yes, music definitely saved where I, where I would probably be now, yeah. for sure. Every day you work from like a slave. Sweating buckets, hoping that you get it right. Will it be as tough tomorrow? Have to wait and see. Life shows no mercy. You said a quote, something to the effect of uh, the connection between musicians and wrestlers and we're all the same misfits. And like that, to me, it, you know, like every wrestler that I've worked with that I haven't met that I've maybe met on my podcast because I was inactive for 10 years, you're best friends within 15 minutes of talking because you are the same total weirdos. And that's the thing. We're, we're egomaniacs with inferiority complexes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you if you're going to go out and perform... You, you, there's something a little off here. Yeah. People are going to scrutinize and judge no matter what, no matter how fucking great you are. Yeah. When I first saw professional wrestling was a friend of mine. He was from Detroit, Michigan. So mm-hmm. he used to go to Cobo Hall and see the Sheik and stuff. And he was a lot older than us, this guy, mm-hmm. Andy. And one day, Saturday morning, I was I went over to his house for some reason because he lived next door to this guy, Sean Gregonis, who was like the punk rocker. And he's watching pro wrestling. And I remember sitting down and watching it. I think it was like... Uh, a big time wrestling. And I think the, on the show, I remember Pat Patterson. I remember Rowdy Piper. So this might've been 80, 81, something yeah. like that, maybe 82. So anyways, long story short, I was glued. I was just like, whoa. And every Saturday I could, I watched wrestling from then on. And the good thing, and this is before cable TV, right? Mm-hmm. So once cable TV came in, 
and you got the Superstation in like 85, 86 or whatever. Every Saturday was like, you wake up, I think it was uh, USA Wrestling. It was WWF. Yeah. And then you had Glow, obviously NWA. And then in the evening, you could, I would get Polynesian Pacific Championship Wrestling. Wow. I think it was like seven o'clock on UHF. And so you see Haichi Peter Maivia, Lars Anderson. I was so stoked when I saw a guy with my name. <laughs> and I think they were battling out for the championship at the time. I don't know. And then at night, then you'd get Bill Watts, the UWF, and they'd always leave you on a cliffhanger. And it would end right about one in the morning. So it started at midnight. And then yeah. during the summertime, it'd be so hot and you couldn't sleep anyways. And you just have the lights on, drinking iced tea, watching pro wrestling. You know, I was got into punk by then. So a lot of the kids didn't want, you know, like their parents would, and I had gone, I had gotten in trouble. So a lot of my friends or my peer group, their parents would, wouldn't let me hang out with them or them hang out with me. You were that kid. I was, yes. Yeah. But I was actually a really good kid. I just made some mistakes. Of course. I and I should have seen at 11 that maybe I had a, a potential problem. And, but you know, I was 11 and it gives a shit. Your baby. Yes. I wasn't playing with matchbox cars or baseball cards. I was listening to Discharge thinking that the world was going to end in 1984 <laughs> or Crucifix, you know? <laughs> and I was, you know, socially conscious about like what was happening with, I mean, the first punk shows were in gay clubs. So you knew about the gay scene. All my friends were either black, Hispanic or Vietnamese or whatever. So there wasn't really that there. Right. I don't really truly think I saw like what the world was really like yeah. until like, kind of went out of my neighborhood and I kind of started to see like these things like racism and sexism and which every single human being has had scuffs with. Yeah. So I didn't really kind of start seeing all that. So I went in and how I went in was pro wrestling was kind of like my mom and dad in a lot of ways, like the Ramones were or GDH or the business wrestling was like you know something you know to watch on tv rick flair coming up and doing promos dusty Rhodes, manny fernandez i wasn't really a hulk hogan guy i was like more of the the heels yeah wasn't really an ultimate warrior guy either i always liked the heels i always liked the you know million dollar man oh yeah that kind of kamala <laughs> kamala hated, didn't wasn't really a big boss man fan I, I remember him when he was uh was it big bubba was it yeah bubba yeah yep. and then uh Love the Midnight Express. Love Jim Cornette. <laughs> Jim Cornette, you know, I, when I finally got a chance to meet him was when ROH was running a show. It was, a, I guess, is when WrestleMania was in Atlanta. And so ROH was running the old uh, spot where the WC, WCW Saturday night was. I forget the name of the place. And I was with Punk because Punk was still wrestling at the time. Mm -hmm. And we went to this, like, it was like a fan fest. And I met Jim Cornette. We hit it off. And I was just like, you know, he was such an easy guy to talk to. Yeah. And of course, you know, he's a wrestling super brain. He's like yeah. the super computer. We were just talking and talking and talking and, and hit it off. And it was just so cool that he was such a regular guy, but like most guys were, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, you know, even I, I hated Shawn Michaels, <laughs> fucking hated that guy. <laughs> but when I met him and did some time with them, probably the cool one of the coolest dudes I've ever met in my life. Really? You know? Yeah, super nice to me. We, I mean, I was in the back. Arn Anderson's fucking there, just kind of with a solo cup, just won't say hi to me. You know, he's fucking. And then finally, Punk won the IC belt from Regal. Mm -hmm. And it was at a, on a Monday Night Raw. So I did the loop with him and Kofi. And 
punk wants to throw a little party. So we go to this place called Gio, Gio, Giordano's. It's like a deep dish spot. Okay. Arn comes and he finally comes up to me and we start talking. So, and I'm singing, like he asked me to sing a song and I'm like fucking Arn Anderson's <laughs> asking me to sing a song, like just acapella. So I start doing Roots Radicals to him and he's like tapping his foot and he's like, all right. And then we became friends. And I was like, fuck, I'm hanging out with one of the four horsemen. You know what I mean? That's so funny. One time in Japan, me and Flair were next door neighbors. We were at the same hotel. Yeah. And we always run out of, run into each other, like coming in and out of the, <laughs> for whatever reason, his lobby call and my lobby call were the same. And he's super gracious, nice guy. And I'm just like, fuck, it's Ric Flair, you know? You know, when we played Madison Square Garden, it wasn't, I wasn't stoked because, you know, Kiss played there or whatever. I was stoked because that's where Snuka did the, you know, top rope so top, on top of the cage, you know, on the Morocco. Because I saw that. And that was like visually, like so stimulating to me. Like that's what I wanted to do. And so it's funny because my, the drummer of, of Rancid, he goes, Lars, you're not like a punk rocker. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you're like a pro wrestler trapped in a punk rocker. <laughs> I was like, all right. But, and then, but literally everything, all my stage banter, all that stuff yeah. uh, comes, that confidence comes from watching Dusty Rhodes cut a promo or Michael Hayes cut a promo or, you know, the list goes on at, at infinitum, but I mean, I feel like I got all of my stick as a performer, not yeah. from other musicians, but from pro wrestlers. I mean, and that's just to be brutally honest, because yeah. it gave me a comfort at a time where number one, I desperately needed it. And nobody was really available to do that. But for whatever reason, those TV shows made me feel like everything was going to be okay. You know, because I could get wrapped up in why the fuck is baby doll turning on <laughs> Magnum TA fucking, you know. And my mom would go, why do they call him Magnum T.A.? I go, I think it's his mustache, you know what I mean? His mullet, <laughs> shit. Just like the whole thing, you know, where, you know, Four Horsemen beat up Dusty Rhodes to break his leg and just like that whole era, that 80s NWA era. Because, I mean, a lot of times I'd find out about the Sheep Herders or, you know, Junkyard Dog or DiBiase and that feud by the wrestling magazines because we didn't have the TV. And so that's how I would get a lot of my information. So I, I would, and I would read it. Like my bedroom had pro wrestlers would be like, Abdullah Butcher, like just crimson mask, and it's like on my <laughs> ceiling, like I'm throwing a beat to. No, I'm sorry. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. But it, it's uh, point is, is that they were everywhere. I got you. They were everywhere. <laughs> well, as such a wrestling encyclopedia, like you're a passionate wrestling fan, doesn't even scratch the surface of what you are. You've seen the whole evolution of women's wrestling, and it, it's definitely ebbed and flowed. But over the past 10 years, there's been a huge change to not only like the physical appearance of female wrestlers, but what women can actually do in the ring, which we've always been able to do. We just didn't always have a platform to do so. Who are your favorite women wrestlers? And I mean, like from the beginning of time till now, give me three. Well, I have to give you a tag team, which was the Jumpin' Bomb Angels. Ah, yes. Okay. They changed women's wrestling, I'd say, where they, they started it. Yeah, I mean, that was some real shit. Um, yeah. I really loved Mula. What's not to love? <laughs> well, to me, she was, she just went in there and she just handled business. Yeah. It was like an angry lion. <laughs> and, it, you know, and I mean, and as you said, like, you know, the way that they got sort of scoped was this, you know, more about tits and ass yep. and like fashion models or, 
yoga athletes or whatever yeah. and then they throw some tits on them and then say they're a wrestler and it's yeah. like no yeah ruby riot is definitely i think one of the best i love the women's stuff now just because it's actually like it's actually taken serious yes and not to put it in a gender thing but i'm going to because i'm a fucking wrestling fan but sometimes it's more entertaining than the men's shit right for sure and you can tell who's been trained by who. And you can see like who's been through William Regal's hands or Fit yeah. Finley's. Because I am such a wrestling nerd, I would look into the background who, who trained them. Or, and then you kind of start to see the styles. Like yeah. for you, for instance, like it's not like you go in there like, ah, <laughs> you, know, you're, you go in there like, let's go. Right. Right. So, and that's what attracts me to a female wrestler. It's not necessarily her looks. It's, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a man. Okay. I get, you know, I know what a, an attractive female looks like, but my point is, it's like, it's not just that for me. It's not just like, wow, I want to fuck her. It's not oh, about that. It's, yeah. it's more or less about like, what is she doing in there? What's her mechanic? Jordan Grace is another one. Yeah. Badass. She brings the intensity. For sure. You know, and there's so many, and I think, and I love the fact that they look like women. Yes. You know, it's not like this yeah. plastic. I don't, I've never was into that anyways. Yeah. Like, you know, um, it's not really my trip. You know, I like a la natural. And, and mm -hmm. I want a little, you know, chunk, chunk on the bump. For you sure. Know? You know I mean? That's like, you know, you can't, I'm not intimidated by that. Put that on a t-shirt. The thing about wrestling, I will say, mm -hmm. is it's very artistic. The whole dance is very, it's artistic and everybody's got their form of it. And I understand it because I'm not one. Mm -hmm. I'm the, I feel like I'm the closest I can be without, I mean, mm -hmm. I've been a professional wrestling manager and I've walked out to the ring and I've buried a motherfucker <laughs> and I've, you know, done it, the whole thing, you know, I cut a promo, I've done all that. I've, you know, commentated on, 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 on shows and I've promoted a show once. So, but that's the closest I've ever been. I'd never taken a bump in my life. I have no desire to. I'd, no? No. I'm, I don't want to do that. It's like maybe 30 years ago, I'd be like, let's do it. I would do a, a super fly and I would fucking do it way better than Snoop Dogg. <laughs> yeah, that was upsetting. Yeah. I mean, poor Snoop though. He went for it. He tried. He tried. And uh, A for effort. Yeah. When I got, to, when I started playing music, the... The whole way I looked at music kind of changed. The whole way I approached listening to bands changed. It just was something that happened. I don't want that to, that to happen to my professional wrestling. It's like my last escape. So I don't want to be in it and have to be in the business. And I, I've seen what it does to people. I've seen how people succeed, seen how people sort of fail yeah. or whatever. I don't want to be, I want to kind of be the guy that just observes because that's like my, like I said, that's kind of like my safety net in yeah. a weird way. I don't know, you know lack of a better description yeah professional wrestling as entertainment when it comes to the women like i said i feel like they're everyone's an artist and a lot of the women are very good artists and it looks like a real legitimate because that's the thing right so that's the hard parts the psychology yeah. tell me right. the story and make me believe in you right and not everybody has that just because you fucking you know shot a bunch of steroids up your ass and you got a six-pack and it doesn't mean you can be a professional wrestler. I mean, look right. at, you know, I, there, I can name a hundred of them, you know, but I watched a, a match the other night and I'm not going to say what program it was on, but it impacted me in a way that, uh, wait, did I just give something away? No, no, I'm just waiting for it. <laughs> no, but I saw this guy in there and I was like, there's no story here. Mm. You know, there's no, I don't believe that this guy's a monster. 
I know that the, what that's what he's it's supposed to be, but I was just like, you can see them having a hard time with each other. There's no chemistry. There's no nothing. And you're just kind of like, ah, fast forward. But I don't do that with a lot of the women's matches these days. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, not to be biased, but I think Impact and NXT are doing some pretty incredible things in terms of the women's wrestling. Like Impact, formerly TNA, they were one of the first major shows that gave female wrestlers a platform to actually wrestle like our matches were longer than four and a half minutes we had multiple matches on the shows and we actually had storylines you know I think I had a year at WWE and unfortunately it never went anywhere because they wanted me to wrestle as a Japanese boy be introduced into the cruiserweight division and I was so stoked on the idea except in the grand scheme of things it doesn't really make sense because if the men are losing to me then it makes the men look weak and if I'm beating the cruiserweights then how am I ever going to lose to any of the divas it, so but it was Vince McMahon's idea and it was amazing sitting across from a table shaking that man's hand he's probably one of the most intimidating human beings I don't know if you've had the chance to talk with him um but yeah he's he's a pretty intimidating human and I don't regret the experience but that just wasn't a place for me but having had that experience going to TNA where smaller budget but women's wrestling was allowed to grow um you know it, it i i i will i would safely say that tna really changed the trajectory of women's wrestling and it's grown incredibly since then well i think tna you know not only with the women's wrestling but the um x division x division thank you so they did two things there really yeah. really well agree right? a friend of mine who was a wrestler had a girlfriend at the time beth phoenix yep and they were staying here and I, Beth was so talented. Yeah. Super talented. And I, you know, part of the reason why you could never really see that with her is because they, three minutes, three minutes, go do what you have to do in three minutes. Yeah. And that's terrible. So, but when the girls get the time, you can kind of see it unfold. A lot of people ask me about like the, see where I'm at in my life and where we where I feel like Rancid has always been is we've always had our own creative freedom. Right. And because we were allowed to be basically do whatever the hell we wanted to do is one of the reasons probably why we got successful. But the fact that certain companies don't allow that is why I, I feel like that's their downfall. Yeah. You got a, companies like Impact and AEW and these other companies, you know, smaller, maybe smaller than ROH, New Japan. They seem like they push their guys or maybe not push is the right word. Maybe they allow them guys and girls like serena deed yeah a credible talent absolutely once again like yourself completely slept on and does something far greater yeah when they're allowed to do something it's like they never were they were never given the opportunity to, to uh reach their potential or future potential because you know as well as i do the only way that you get good at anything or better at anything is by fucking doing it totally and it's like, you can't just do it on the house shows. No. You have to do, be able to, you have to have the whole gamut of experience. And, you know, the reason why I can go on a TV show and not shit my pants is because I've done it a few times, right? Yeah. It's like, but I still doesn't mean I don't want to shit my pants. It just yeah. means that I just don't. You manage shitting your pants while talking. Thank you. I got you. Yes. <laughs> so no, no adult diapers for me just yet. But anyway, my point, I guess my point is, is that, you know, giving people the opportunity 
to discover who they are, discover their character, it's going to make them emotionally, psychologically attached to the story they're trying to sell to make the company fucking money. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's why I was always impressed with Punk, because when he was a bad guy, he kayfabed every motherfucker. Yeah. Hey, Punk, what's going on? Leave me alone. You know, just, you know what I mean? And then he would walk around the house sometimes when he'd stay here and just be like, I hate fucking Randy Orton or whoever he was fucking hate that guy. <laughs> and it's just because he, I'm sure him and Randy were, you know, good friends or yeah. friends or whatever, you know, but yeah. he just had the psychological thing. Like, I can't transmit this if I'm not really believing it. Phil was one of those people too. Like, he really committed to the old school mentality. Like, that's who he, that's what he worshipped. That's who he was. And that's what set him apart. Like, he was never like a body or, you know, it, his, you know, he was never like a gimmicky dude either besides who he was. He's the real deal. He's the real deal. Yeah. He's the real deal. And that's the one thing. It's so funny because we were just telling the story that other night with the goat. And I always <laughs> think about that with him. But um, <laughs> and if you want to check it, whatever. That's the one thing I will give to him. And ever since I've known him, if he doesn't want to do something. He just doesn't do it. Right. And it's not like he has that luxury all the time, you know, to just say, I don't want to do it. It's like, sometimes that's some of the hardest things you can do is say, I don't want to fucking do this, mm -hmm. you know, but that's where really the grit is. Yeah. And I know that like, you know, professional, some wrestlers look at it. Well, that's my boss and I got to do what my boss says, you know, well, think of the gobbledygooker or think about how they fucking like, you know, me and punk were talking about like, how Vince McMahon tried to kill Dusty and his whole family. Like, but they did, every single one of them, you know, made those shitty ass things work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what was he trying to do to Dusty? Like with the gold dust? Oh, agreed. You know, that was like a, an emasculating kind of thing. If you really yeah. think about it, if you know the backstory. Yeah. And he turned it into one of the biggest things in the world. I got a feeling inside of me. It's kind of strange, like a story scene. I don't know why, I don't know why. I guess these things have got to be. I like to end every episode with the same 10 tailor-made questions because it's just turned into the most entertaining part of the show, if nothing else. So are you ready? Yes. Okay. What is one beauty product you cannot live without? So <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> So this was first made for the fact that I was literally just going to uh, interview my female friends. Uh, but then I started introducing dudes into the show and I'm not changing the questions for you guys. So. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Why would you? <laughs> what is your favorite exercise? Walking. Oh. Do you walk every day? Like, uh, in terms? Okay. I, okay. I try to walk, get at least 10,000 steps in. Oh, good for you. Get your steps in, girl. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to keep moving your body. Otherwise, you know, yeah. you know. Oh, I know. You know? What is your biggest pet peeve? Not fucking cleaning up after yourself. Are you the, okay, so when you cook, <laughs> this can also be a top three. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. When you cook, what? Do you clean as you're cooking? Like if you use it. Absolutely. Yeah, I get it. No, I mean, like, like it's. There's two kinds of people in this world. It's so hard when I'm in a situation and I'm watching somebody cook and they're not cleaning as they're going. And it's hard for me to just sit there and take that. I feel like it's a personal assault. <laughs> they're doing it to you. <laughs> yes. I'm so anal about that shit. I don't know why. 
I'm just, I, you know, I'm a cleaner. I'm a clean freak. Like my mom used to come on and go, you can eat off these floors. It's like, yeah, I take care of my shit. You're prideful. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. No, you can put a little dust in the corner. They go, no, you can't. Well, I got the hand back. <laughs> I'd be a good house cleaner. I, like I am it. a good house cleaner. You are. You're, well, I can only see like, I don't know, a five by five, but it looks immaculate. Well, I, I'll show you around, but I mean, you know. <laughs> Certain things I don't want everybody to see, especially the sex dungeon. <laughs> okay, with my job, there is literally <laughs> nothing that would surprise me. Like, I don't Fair care enough. if this stays in the podcast or not, but I had to <laughs> go to a call at um, a gentleman's house who had a dungeon. Okay, wow. so here's a good firefighter story for you. He had, you know, like those dry seal bags, like for food or with the vacuum thing, vacuum sealed. Thank you. So he had vacuum sealed himself, which is, I guess, uh, like a form of erotic asphyxiation. But it said like all over the vacuum and the, the, the pack, like do not use without a buddy or like do not use on your own. So buddy couldn't wait for his buddy and he was like fuck it i'll just do it myself but like (laughs) as you start to get like vacuum sealed you have like less mobility so i guess he was like in in it doing his thing and then like when it got too restrictive he couldn't press the button so we responded to a man who had like erotically asphyxiated himself with wow yeah. yeah so like your sex dungeon ain't got shit on what i've seen i just want to put that out there <laughs> mine's got like flowers and plants and shit I'm all weird. that's fucking dark dude so dark <laughs> <laughs> i'm so crazy but anyway okay. who is your celebrity crush moving forward oh celebrity crush fucking sean connery <laughs> good answer but he's the coolest dude ever. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, did I just say that? Um, you did. Moving forward. What? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, but see, that's the thing. I'm trying to think. That's a totally legit answer. Yeah. Okay, fine. Because Trish Stratus, like, didn't even blink, and she was like, J-Lo. So that's totally acceptable. What is your favorite band or artist? And I want to hear something that deviates from, like, punk, hardcore, thrash metal. Well, I, I, I that's not uh, well. Motorhead is my favorite band. Okay. So, and I always say, if you can make your band fifty-one percent Motorhead, forty-nine percent GBH, you'll have a great band. So, Motorhead go. for sure, for Motorhead. sure. Motorhead. Do you have a secret vice like drinking a glass of wine in the shower? I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. I play Magic the Gathering. Is that a vice? That's a vice. <laughs> Because everyone might not know about it. That's well, yeah. I guess you're right. And I, I, coffee, coffee is my thing. Yeah. Okay. Iced coffee. It has to be iced. So you're totally like a basic bitch. Like you need your iced coffee. Look, I'm I'm really really simple. You know what I mean? It's kind of like feed me, fuck me, let me sleep. That's what else is there in life? That's all you got to do. Can't believe I just said that too. <laughs> Pulling a lot of things out of me. My kids are right there. Jesus, Taylor. I'm kind sorry, of fucking sh- Kind of fucking show you run in here. <laughs> wild. Yeah. No, I got to, you know, it's like, it, yes, it's wild. It's wild. Whoa. I've mind fucked you. <laughs>
funny. Okay. What wrestler has the best entrance music? Taker. I mean, ah. well, current current wrestler. See, there's three guys that I love. It's The Fiend, mm-hmm. but I loved when he was doing the, the Bray Wyatt thing with the, the, the thing. Yep. Taker's obviously music hits and you're just like, what's up? Yep. And probably Flair because, you know, the... Well, I forget the name of the song, but it's obviously Space yeah. Odyssey 2001. Whatever. But. <laughs> well, next one is what is your drink of choice? But I think we've answered that. Coffee, iced coffee. Now, are you, it's none of my business, but just because it's my podcast and I'll say what I want. Uh, <laughs> so are you, you don't drink, you don't do drugs, but are, is it because you're sober or you're just, uh, you, you don't have to answer that question. I, well, I can, I'll answer it, but I just have to do it in a, in a way. Um, I have an allergic reaction to alcohol. Oh, okay. Okay. I break out in handcuffs. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I got it. Okay. I got uh, sober very young. Okay. Well, good for you. Hey, hey thank you. You can fucking at least identify that. That is a, a legit allergic reaction. It's not like it's not like sober like these, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. These fucking whatever these kooks. Yeah. Like it's like a, it's like it's like the loyalty thing. It's like you ain't fucking just shut up. Yeah. yeah. Sober vegan all the yeah that. Exactly. I mean, nothing wrong with vegans because I'm, I, you know, I play, a, I dabble in that. Right. From time to time, like if I'm really like, like, getting to go on the road, I'm gonna be on the road in what a month or so, mm-hmm. month or two months, and so I'll start like really, right, really, really, really watching what goes into my body. Okay. And and I've been doing it now for probably my whole life. Like if I'm out on the road, I eat vegan if it's a choice. Oh, interesting. I very rarely like. You know, I kind of almost do it a lot of the times anyways. I'll break down and have an egg or some cheese or some fish. Right. You know, every once in a while. But um, I'm fucking Scandinavian. I'm fucking Danish. You know, I need, I need, you know, it's like. You need that fish oil. I mean, fuck. I need the fish oil. It's like, you know, my, I don't have blood. I have bacon fat. Like, <laughs> Keeps you young. Absolutely. It keeps you. Look at my skin. Right? You're stunning. Yeah. What's my favorite beauty product? <laughs> Pork fat. Duh. Obviously. I don't know why you didn't lead with that. <laughs> I know. That would have been <laughs> the obvious. Fuck. Can we go back? Like, yeah. Okay. Rochelle. And then- there we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What was your most embarrassing moment on stage? Oh, man. I remember I, I, oh, Christopher Daniels. Oh God! One time. did his penis fall out or a ball? No, dude. So he's wrestling over here in San Francisco at the at the the, the Keysar, which is like you know maybe ten blocks away from me, and it's like an old. They used to do a lot of the old boxing, San Francisco bo- boxing. And Chris Chris is a great guy. Yeah, I love Daniels. I've known him for years. Yes. So and it was APW show. So he was wearing kind of the short shorts and. <laughs> He, he did the move and he was obviously free balling because it, it split <laughs> where his ass was hanging out. So, and, and every time he bent over, you got a shot of <sighs> his asshole. So everybody in the crowd started chanting asshole. <laughs> so bad for Curry man. You know what I mean? I really felt bad for him, but um, most embarrassing. Well, Contrary to popular belief, it wasn't a heroin overdose. 
I went into anaphylactic shock in Montreal. We were doing three nights there. Uh-huh. And it's like 4,000 capacity, whatever. Canada's always been very, very good for us. And I love it up there. Um, and Toronto's a great town. Yeah. So it was my birthday. So it was August. And maybe 2007. He's either the, the, the third show or the second show. I want to say it was the third. I don't remember. So I, got, I had gotten sick. And I went to, you know, you get one of those rock doctors to come. Yeah. So, and I'm deathly allergic to penicillin. Oh. So I said, I'm feeling really sick. I got to do the rest of this tour or whatever. I need some antibiotics. He said, okay, I'm going to give you something pretty powerful. It's like the stuff that we give you for like uh, anthrax or whatever. Yeah. And I said, listen, I'm allergic to penicillin. If I take penicillin, I'm, I'm a dead man. It's like, no, 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 you're good. So he gives me this thing and about four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, I'm having a hard time breathing. I'm like, what the fuck is going on with me? I'm like, you know, starting to feel this shit. I go and I remember that I had my computer and I go on and I look at the side effects for the medication Yeah. and and I'm experiencing six out of 10 of them. And, and so I call the road manager. I said, dude, I got to go to the hospital. I'm having six of the the things right yeah. he says okay go so i i uh wake up woke up somebody so we go to the the er i get in the hospital bed they do the thing they go okay they give me an iv whatever and i talk to the doctor and he says no 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 it's okay this has nothing to do with penicillin you know mm-hmm. i'm like okay keep taking it whatever i'm like okay so get up do the show, take an antibiotic, playing a song, and I'm trying to see Tim. And I'm just like, why can't I fucking see him? And I just go, Poof. oh no. So in the in mid song, like third or fourth song in, and I'm just on my back. And then next thing you know, I'm in an ambulance. I remember I'm just I'm in the hospital, and I've got IVs and tubes in me, and and then I'm waking up and I see. Brett Reed, the drummer, and Tim Shaw, the guitar tech. And then some guy next door, the guy next to me is like, something's going terribly wrong over there. You can just hear all these like things going on. I just, it just made me feel uncomfortable. So I just kind of like unplugged. <laughs> he took off. <laughs> and then we took like four days off and, you know, canceled the next show, which was Pittsburgh or whatever it was. But then I started seeing that I because I overdosed on heroin or something. Because you're so rock and roll, man. Yeah, man. Oh, one time we played New York City. I was on tour with my other band and then met Rancid to do an East Coast run mm-hmm. and played the show. And then I'm in the car with Punk and Big Chris. And I'm going into the hospital because I once again, I think I'm like having a heart attack or whatever. I was so severely hydrated. I took like four or five bags of fluid uh whatever yes <laughs> and but i remember they t- we went to bellevue hospital in new york city which is like where all the loonies go i was gonna say bellevue that rings a bell yeah there was this remember me and punks walking me back right and then going into the bed i'm in my gown and then there's this <laughs> dude and he's like fighting the cops fighting the cops and the cops are trying to restrain him and he looks up and he sees punk and he goes yo punk best in the world <laughs> like what's up bro and the guy then starts continuing to fight the cops that's a legit story i love that that really happened so 
I've done things where I've spun and you know done it you know yeah landed on my ass but then I just flip everybody <laughs> hey fuck you I meant to do that or whatever. <laughs> it's very wrestling of you yeah I've never like you know had to pee or anything <laughs> I probably I mean I've, I've been so sweaty where I've had to pee and I just like fuck it you know but I haven't done that well good for you because every female wrestler has peed herself in the ring I believe that for yeah. some reason why why do you think that is well truthfully anatomically speaking like your ovaries are in your fallopian tubes shouldn't be like a pinball machine so (laughs) i literally think your body is going and like every time we belly out i just i i i just don't think we are made to do it but we you know we do it well and we can still have babies healthily but you know just do a few more kegels and maybe a little less pee but yeah so usually my last question is finish this lyric, but I am not doing that with you. I am not embarrassing myself to that level. Also, I wanted to ask something else. I've been getting you ask me these two because I because you can't say that and then leave me out of it. So you got to ask two now. <laughs> no, no. Usually I say finish this lyric and then I sing something badly and then you sing along with no, me. No, you got to fucking do it. So <laughs> no, no, bullshit. You don't get out. Oh, you so put... ask okay. me this. Ask me this first question, then you do it, and then we'll see if we'll, we'll see if we can make some some sweet music together. Okay, great. So I've been getting a lot of heat for my re- resurrection resurgence into wrestling because with Impact they've given me all this creative freedom, and my girlfriend Rochelle and I, who makes my podcast with me, she's my producer, my editor. She went ahead and she wrote lyrics, and she hired the sweetest little fawn of a teenage girl named Sam Smith. How cool is that? Uh, to sing my entrance music. And yeah. the fans are like, oh, it's shit and whatever. Because it was literally recorded during COVID. And right. uh, Rochelle had kind of like recorded things like via Zoom. And it was all emailed, put together. And then that's been my entrance music. So my question for you is, will you listen to it? And will you give like your Lars stamp of approval or maybe you can give us some advice on how to make it better yeah for sure now this is something that you is this your current music yeah which I fucking love but fans are like shit so I don't I see I thought it was kind of like bubbly and cool and kind of had a little bit it was a little edgy I mean especially for that program right so I I mean it's different I thought it was different I haven't really totally tuned into it because mm-hmm. I was more, I, you know, I was more paying attention to see if I saw the Ramones thing in your deal. Again. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, I'd listen to it, but um, I would say that you have to tell me what level of honesty you'd want. And, but honestly, how old is this girl? So 20. Yeah. I mean, you know, just given that opportunity for somebody like that. Right. I mean, that's, that's cool enough. So I, I I'm not really like, I've never been a guy who will publicly or anyway shame another like there's music I I fucking hate jazz. Jazz can suck it. <laughs> jazz. You know, like fuck jazz. Jazz is fucking stupid. Sorry. If I'm that makes me stupid then fuck you, dog. I'll go back to the quarry. But I hate jazz. Like and pop music, fuck. Unless you're Beyonce, I don't want to hear Agreed. no Lady Gaga. I don't like Lady Gaga. I don't like any of that shit. <laughs> mindless to me like I you know I, I you know whatever not I'm sure she's a nice person but it's not my trip yeah okay 
but that's the way I, as I've gotten older, other than jazz, yeah. just kind of accept and just not like, I fucking hate jazz. Fuck. <laughs> what did jazz do to you? I want to know. I don't know. Fucking, you know, came in in the middle of the night and fondled me, obviously. Without my permission. <laughs> yeah, without consent. Well, you know what? You know, I fucking hate. Let me talk another beef here. <laughs> I'm the biggest fucking wrestling fan when it comes to any fucking musician. And I guarantee if you give me any other musician other than probably, you know, Billy Corgan would probably be my equal. Yeah. I'm he's... just boasting. I mean, he, the guy's obviously got a, you know, he's very much in love with the, with the business. I respect him enormously because of that. What he's doing with the NWA is awesome. Yeah. So, Got a lot of kudos to him. But you give me any other guy, sit down, let's talk wrestling face to face and, and prove the, the, the knowledge. And I can boast this. Yeah. And this is kind of like the heel me coming up. <laughs> but, um, so, but I've never, ever been asked ever yeah. to write a music, music for anybody's fucking entrance music. <laughs> yeah. But, I, but, okay, hold on. Wait. Do the song thing. I'm ready for it. It's kind of like that, you know, name that thing. <laughs> yeah, but. Don't fuck. Come on, Taylor. Be wild. <laughs> You're fucking with my gimmick, dude. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm calling your shit out. <laughs> Destination unknown. Ruby, Ruby, Ruby. So <laughs> But you got to get in better key. I have no key. Hang on a second. Hang on, Hang on a second. Me, 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 Guys, me. This might be done. Yes, Destination. <laughs> I can't even. <laughs> well, fuck, great. <laughs> it's, it's down. It's down tune. It's down tune. A whole. Step. Okay. Well, can we do something musically? Fuck in you the and music? fuck you, listeners. What? <laughs> Over this shit. My phone's broken. Okay, well, that was fun. I can't believe how many parallels we have in our life. I mean, the wrestling and the love for music and the firefighting and it just, this podcast is so fucking cool for my introverted being. I can't even begin to explain how perplexing it has been to meet all these wrestlers and musicians It just people that are drawn to pro wrestling and how similar we all are you know we're we're all these kindred kindred hearts kindred i can't say kindred spirits anymore we're all these cosmically linked people and you get to hear these intimate stories these first time conversations between myself and all these misfits we're really this great big family that have these reunions on my show so you are welcome and until next week stay calm and welcome